Well, friends, we are finishing up uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Um, there's only uh, this message in next week um, before we, we go into uh, the, the next part of our sermon series in Romans. Um, but in some ways, we're going to be kind of wrapping up and also kind of revisiting some of the themes of, you know, why did we even begin this journey? You know, what does it mean, metanoia? You know, this idea of uh, that Greek word for repentance. It is about change. It is about changing your, your, your hearts, your mind, your life. And, and so today I want to kind of remind us why that is important. And so I want to ask you a question that I've asked before. But I think it is a very important question in sort of leading our lives. Uh, and the question is this. What is the good life? And so... It is something uh, that I think a lot of us, uh, sorry, my clicker's not working here. <laughs> if we can go to the next slide. Um, it's, it's a question that a lot of us ask. Uh, Dallas Willard, uh, who is, is a, a Christian thinker and writer, um, the late Dallas Willard, he, he uh, I think, died in 2013. Um, but one of the, the things that Dallas Willard would talk about is that there are four questions that every human being needs to answer. Uh, if you want to live purposefully, um, if, if you want to live well, um, it's not just for Christians, but for every human being. You have to answer four questions for yourself. And, and one is, what is reality? Um, the other is, what is the good life? This question. Uh, what is a good person? And how do you become a good person? And for many of us, we are trying to live a good life. Uh, but one of the things that maybe uh, we don't always do is ask this question. What is the good life? That what is the good life is... Um, sort of the subject of advertising, right? Advertisements are always trying to tell us what the good life is. And they're trying to appeal to that drive that all of us have, that we want to live a good life, right? But I think uh, in that question, what is the good life, is is to, to say that, not to assume that you necessarily know what it is, right? Uh, that, that maybe there is a way that a lot of us are living, automatically assuming that we know what the good life is. So this is a picture of a beach, obviously. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen like those Corona commercials where people are just hanging out on a beach, right? And, and they, they got their, their, their beer there. Um, I was going to say ice cold beer, but you're on a beach, so maybe it's warm. I don't know. But maybe in this fantasy, it's still an ice cold beer, even though you're on a beach and there's sun and you're just, you know, you're lying in a hammock or you're, you're, you know, uh, on, uh, a comfortable uh, bench or something, and you're just staring out into this crystal clear water. There's not a care in the world. You know, you're not worried about your job or your family or your children, right? There's no health concerns out on this beach. You know, you're not worried about your mortgage. <laughs> you know, there's, there's no stress. There's no deadlines. You're just, you're just at peace, right? You know, and brothers and sisters, um, this is an important question. And I think that Jesus wanted to teach us about this. I think this is what the Sermon on the Mount is all about. Because if you remember, the way the Sermon on the Mount begins is telling us, blessed are such and such people. Right? That word uh, in Greek, it's kind of hard to translate into English. Uh, the, the Greek word is makarios. 
And Makarios uh, sometimes gets translated as blessed. Sometimes it gets translated as happy. Sometimes it gets translated as content. And it is all those things. Uh, uh, we're going to try to describe... You know, there are certain Greek words and there's a way of, of language that, you know, oftentimes our English words don't quite capture what those things are, right? Uh, and, and that just happens with any language and with any translation. And so, you know, blessed, happy, content, isn't that what we want, right? We want to be blessed. We want to be happy. We want to be content, Right, and Jesus is trying to tell us about that life. That's what this whole uh, a sermon is about. This whole discourse on this hill that Jesus is trying to teach us, right? And so the question for you is, what is the good life that you are chasing? You're chasing it, aren't you? I think we all are. It's just natural. Isn't this why you're in school? For those who are in school, isn't this why we work so hard? Right. You know, we, we, we want in some measure to have a good life. All of us do. And so, you know, one of the things that, that Dallas Willard tries to make the point is that there are kind of two things going on, right? And you see this in the questions that we talked about. We're not going to get so much into the first question that, that Dallas Willard asked about what is reality. But I do want to talk about those other three questions. So again, it's what is the good life? What is a good person and who is a good person? How do you become a good person? Right? And so the thing is, those two questions, what is the good life and what is a good person? Those are two very important drives for a lot of us. I think we all want those things. We want the good life and we want to be good people. But the funny thing is that we don't often think that they're the same thing. Sometimes we think that there are completely different things. Dallas Willard is trying to bring the point, and I believe Jesus is trying to bring the point, that the good life and being a good person are actually the same thing. That's the thing that I want to try to convince you of, or or for us to really think about. But oftentimes in this world, we think that they are opposed to each other. Right? Do you ever hear about people who are living, you know, who have lived the good life? You know, maybe you've, you've heard stories of, uh, uh, you know, very successful business people, entrepreneurs, you know, uh, these people who, um, they, they have amazing accomplishments. They make lots of money. You know, maybe think of like Steve Jobs, you know, that, that sort of person. They, they, they do all these very impressive things, but they're very mean, right? <laughs> And so we kind of think like, okay, well, maybe that's what it takes to get stuff done in this world, right? You can't always be a good person. Or maybe you hear the story of somebody who becomes very rich, but they cut corners, right? They don't do things always ethically. They don't always pay their workers well, right? Or maybe you see that person in your class who gets a good grade, but you know that they've been cheating, right? They've been a little bit dishonest, you know, or they've been very cutthroat, you know, and, and they're, they're just kind of like, you know what? I, I don't really care about other people. I'm going to sort of elbow my way to the top. And maybe for some of us, we think maybe that's what it is. I've heard people say this. They're like, hey, for me to be a good and honest person, it kind of seems like I have to compromise sort of, you know, worldly success 
And then at the same token, to get worldly success, I have to compromise being a good person. Do you believe that's true? And if you do, then in some ways, being a good person and, and living a good life are going to feel like separate things to you. So one of the things that Dallas Willard says is that we are all are very, very interested in living a good life, right? And, and, and the world, like I said, advertising, they will tell you, they tr- are trying to tell you what a good life is. It looks like this, or it looks like driving a nice car, or having nice clothes, or having a full, good head of hair, right? Those kinds of things, you know? And, and so one of the things Dallas Willard says is at the end of life, when we're looking back at life, when you, when you read someone's obituary, or you hear someone giving a eulogy, right? That oftentimes when we're looking back at someone's life, what we are most concerned about, <laughs> there's not many obituaries you, you'll read or many eulogies you'll hear where they're like, you know what? That person just had a really nice car. <laughs> that person had really nice hair, you know? Man, their clothes were so nice. But they'll talk about how good of a person they were, right? And so, brothers and sisters, um, we want to look at, really, what is our lives? What are they really supposed to be about? And the language that it uses in Scripture, because there's a lot of agricultural, agricultural language, right? It makes sense. It was in many ways a farming culture, an agricultural culture. And, you know, one of the things that, that uh, we will hear about in trying to describe a good life is a fruitful life. Uh, sorry, my clicker's still not working. <laughs> we can go to the next slide. Yeah, a fruitful life, right? So I took this quite literally, and there's just a bunch of fruit there. <laughs> but for us, what is a fruitful life? You know, that's maybe the same question as asking what the good life is. But here you might start thinking about, but being fruitful is also about your accomplishments, about, you know, what your life is bearing, right? What, are the, what is your legacy going to be? Uh, and so, you know, here in the scripture, um, as we are wrapping up this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is going to kind of talk to us about uh, what the fruitful life is. And so I want to actually begin uh, today's passage. Um, I am very interested in what Jesus has to say about the fruitful life. But I want to back up one verse. So let's go to the next slide. And so uh, we, we read this last week. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. You've probably heard this before, haven't you? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Right? What do we call this? Does anyone know? That, that a lot of us, we call this the golden rule. Right? That this is a way of living a good life. And there are many people who are not religious at all, right? People who aren't even Christian, who still talk about the golden rule. They're like, you know what? That's a good thing to live on, right? And so it's very interesting, though, because what you see here is a phrase that you probably have heard before. Uh, for this is the law and the prophets. You guys remember, what is what does it mean when we say this is the law and the prophets? Law and the Prophets is a way of summing up the entire Hebrew Scripture. That's what Jesus means. It's not just a bunch of laws and a bunch of teachings of prophets. This is shorthand for Hebrew Scripture, right? Jesus didn't, and nobody at that time called it the Old Testament. That wouldn't have made any sense, right? But all of the Scripture 
is what is considered the law and the prophets, right? So you probably heard this before. You see in other passages where Jesus or other New Testament writers, they use that term. This is the law and the prophets, and it's usually referred to this idea of loving others as if they were you. Loving others, right? And so, you know, there's that whole passage where uh, there are teachers of the law, and they're asking Jesus, what are the most important commandments, right? What is the most important commandment? And Jesus says to love the Lord with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, right? Which is part of the Shema. It is one of the most famous commands in Scripture. That would not have been surprising, right? Jesus is telling them what they already believe, But he adds a second commandment. This is the shocking part. This is the part we miss. Most of us ignore the second part. And we only look at the first part because we're like, well, hey, that's the most important commandment. But what Jesus says is the second is like it. He puts it on the same level. And he says, the second is to love your neighbor as if they were you. Right? There are other parts. In James, they actually take out the first commandment. And all he does is take the second, that second commandment, to love others, to love your neighbor as if they were you. And he says, this is the royal law. This is the law and the prophets. Right? So, Jesus, this is another way of saying it. Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. To love other people as if they were you. This is what Jesus is trying to command us to do. All right, now take that aside for a little bit. <laughs> and, and I want to talk to you about fruits, but also about gates. <laughs> so this is a very famous passage, um, and it's one that maybe is kind of uh, uh, confusing to us a little bit. There's many, many different interpretations of this. But this idea of the narrow gate and the wide gate. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to tell you, this whole time, the entire discourse of the Sermon on the Mount, it has been about what is the blessed life, right? That's how we started. But when most people read this, they do not think of this in terms of life. They think of this in terms of death. They think of this in terms of who gets to go to heaven? But let's look at this. Is that what it's saying, right? Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. So brothers and sisters, this whole time, what has the Sermon on the Mount been about? What is Jesus focused on? Has he been talking about whether or not you're going to heaven? When he's talking about, don't sleep on your anger, right? You have heard it said that to love your, 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 um, you know, to love your family, to love your friends by hate your enemies. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. When it's talking about all of these different things about life, your actual life, how you actually treat people. That's been the entire Sermon on the Mount. So it makes no sense that all of a sudden he's going to shift gears and be like, okay, okay, we were talking about life, but now I'm talking about death. Now I'm talking about whether or not you're going to go to heaven. 
right? So I don't think Jesus is talking about salvation the way that most of us think about it here. I think he's actually talking about the good life. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. But the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. Now, brothers and sisters, if Jesus is talking about how to get the good life, isn't this ironic? Isn't it ironic? Because didn't we just say everybody wants to live the good life? Who would ever live their life and say, you know what? I want destruction. You know what? I want to live a life where in the end, I'm going to be frustrated. I'm going to feel like I didn't live a good life. I'm going to be a bad person, right? That my life is going to be wasted. Nobody lives that kind of life. Nobody thinks that they're going to live that kind of life, I should say. Nobody aims to live that kind of life, right? But it happens, doesn't it? You see many people, they look back on their life and they're like, what the heck just happened? (laughs) What was all this worth? You know, there are people who, who, you know, on the extreme ends, you know, end up with addictions, right? Or end up, you know, really hurting the people that they love most. And they look back on their lives and they say, well, how did we get here? Dallas Willard has this other saying. He says, in any life, the spiritual life in any life, to drift is disaster. To drift is disaster. What does that mean? Now, brothers and sisters, all of us are going to have fruit from your life. The question is, what kind of fruit? In a moment, we're going to talk about good fruit and bad fruit, right? Good, healthy fruit and diseased fruit. Um, but brothers and sisters, everyone's going to have fruit from their life. Everyone is going to live a life. (laughs) Whether you do it intentionally or not is the question. And the thing is that whether or not you answer this question, what is the good life or what is a good person, you are going to live your life. Your life is going to happen, right? But the thing is, for many of us, we just drift through life. Things will happen automatically. You will chase a version of the good life that has been told to you subconsciously or just through, you know, many, many years of just living this life, right? And, and you're, you're just doing what everyone does. You're living on autopilot. And to do that, Dallas Willard says, is disaster. Does that sound like what Jesus is saying here? Why is that such a wide gate? If everyone is trying to live a good life, but Jesus says, wide is the gate that leads to destruction. Again, I know we're fighting this tendency to think of this as going to hell. This is not going to hell, brothers and sisters. This is a life that is not a good life. This is a life that in many ways we will look back at and say, what was all this worth? Maybe I, I accumulated a lot of toys. Maybe, maybe I, I did a lot of stuff that I wanted to. But brothers and sisters, when we began this, right before that, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. This is about being a good person. This is about loving like Jesus. And at the end of the day, if we are not doing that, 
If we are not loving like Jesus, if we are not good people, then Jesus is saying, what is it all worth? Does that make sense? Yeah? And for many of us, you know, I think we need to, you know, I think we need to live our lives intentionally. We need to wake up, right? It is about really, uh, you know, saying, well, how am I going to live my life? Right? What is all of this going to be about? Right? The gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Don't ignore that, brothers and sisters. We assume that most of us are going to be good people. And Jesus is saying that's a bad assumption. You shouldn't assume that you will automatically find life. If you just live your life on autopilot, and it just makes sense that for most people, that that's what's going to happen. Right? And then if you are living your life on autopilot, it makes sense that that's the wide gate. Right? And so, you know, Jesus is going to talk about um, these, this idea of the false prophets. Um, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes, grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Now, what's kind of funny is that Jesus is talking and he's sharing all this stuff. And there are probably people who would accuse Jesus of being a false prophet, right? Jesus, in some ways, is talking about himself, <laughs> Right? Why should we believe you, Jesus, about this teaching about how to live a good life? Right? There's a lot of teachers out there. There's a lot of prophets. Why should you believe me? Why should you believe the Bible? Right? You know, there's so many messages out there about how to live a good life. Why should you take my word for it? And Jesus says, yeah, it's going to be confusing. You're going to hear things that sound good. But what does Jesus tell us to focus on? And and this is just my advice in general. (laughs) I think it's good sound advice when you hear people share things and they're like, hey, you know what? Listen to this. This is the truth, right? I think Jesus' advice is good. He says, don't just pay attention to their message. Many people will tell you what you want to hear. But look at their fruits. Look at the fruit of their lives. Right? You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Does good fruit come from places where, you know, you would naturally expect pain and thorn and thistles that are going to prick you? Every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. What is Jesus saying here? Jesus is saying that if you want to live a fruitful life, you need to become a good person. Right? Isn't that what he's saying? If you want good fruit, you need to be a good tree. Right? Does that make sense? (laughs) I know that this is in many ways not what we hear. We are so focused on results in this world. We are so focused on what do do I have to show for my life, right? You know, we're just so focused on the end product of things. 
as a pastor, as a father, as a husband, as a human being, you know, I, I, I get really focused on this sometimes. You know, there's a lot of pastors who, who go around feeling like they're a failure because they look at their church and they're like, man, my church is small. Oh, I look at that other pastor over there across town. His church is 5,000 people. Mm. We look at that and we're like, oh man, he must be a success. Look at the fruits, right? But Jesus, I think, you know, is going to help us to understand really that fruit is not maybe the stuff that we're always focused on. You know, uh, Jesus is going to say later, we're going to talk about this more next week, but he's going to talk about, you know, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. You know, some people are going to be like, yo, look, Jesus, we did miracles in your name. We healed people. We drove out demons in your name. We brought 5,000 people into our church. And Jesus will be like, I don't even know who you are. I don't even know who you are. Could it be that the things we focus on as fruit isn't necessarily what fruit truly is? Jesus says, look at the person. Good fruit comes from good people. And, and I know, brothers and sisters, many of us, we're, we're, we're so trained to hear uh, uh, messages and say, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, sometimes just we're bad. You know, we make mistakes. And that is definitely true. And, and does God love you? Does God love, <laughs> you know, the bad trees, <laughs> the trees that aren't producing good fruit? Absolutely. But when you hear Jesus talking about life, when you hear him talking about the kind of life that he desires us to have, I don't think that Jesus loves us in a way where he's like, you know what? I love you so much that I'm going to love you exactly as you are. And if you're living a bad life and if you're living a frustrating, destructive life, hey, that's okay. (laughs) Have at it, right? Brothers and sisters, what parent would do that? Now, as a parent, no matter what my kids do, I mean, this is absolutely true. I will love them until the day they die or I die, right? I'm going to love them till the end. It doesn't matter. They're a good person, a bad person. I will love them. But I'll tell you this. I love them so much that if they are a bad person, I'm going to want them to change. You hear that? Right? I know a lot of us, we stop at the unconditional love of God and we're like, okay, good enough. God, thank you. Thank you for loving me even though I'm a bad person. That's true. That's the gospel truth. But the full gospel truth, and brothers and sisters, this is the longest teaching of Jesus in the Bible, is Jesus trying to teach you what the good life is. And here at the end, as we sum it all up, he says, good things come from good people. I want you to become a good person. Does that make sense? Remember, I watched this TV show um, years ago, and um, I remember um, this, this dad, TV dad, right? He's talking to his TV son. And he, he, he said to him, um, you know, when you were born, all I, I, I cared about before you were born was that you would be healthy, And then after you were born, the one thing I wanted was for you to be a good person. And and it was, you can probably guess from the context, 
his son ended up not being a good person. <laughs> you know, and the thing is, that was his desire as a father. But at least in the TV show, right? It's just a show. But his father was a very neglectful father. He didn't live intentionally to actually make his son a good person. But that was his desire. That was his intent. I think everyone wants that for their children. I think we all want that for us. But the question is, are you living intentionally? Are you living in such a way where you will become a good person? And so, brothers and sisters, if you have started to believe, if you start to, to actually want to be a good person, then that third, uh, the, the, the last question that, that Dallas Willard asks about the important questions of life is very important. How do then I become a good person? Right? Um, so, you know, some of the things that, that we've been hearing here about, um, you know, it says every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, uh, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Um, there's another passage that sounds just like this. And this is in John 15, another teaching of Jesus. Um, and here, I think you're going to start to see how do you actually become a good person? Uh, how do you have a fruitful life? He says, abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Nor For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. Isn't that almost exactly what you heard just in, in, in Matthew 7 a second ago, right? That idea that every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. It's almost exactly the same, right? And he says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Brothers and sisters, I wanted to read this whole passage here, because there in verse 11 is telling us that Jesus' desire is for you to have joy, to have fullness of joy, right? Sometimes we think about being a good person and being like Jesus as a chore, as a duty, Ah, okay. I, I, like, like what I really want is I want to live the good life. I, I, I want to be happy, but I guess I also have to be a good person, right? Almost as if that's a burden, right? I, I guess I, I have to be honest with people. I guess I have to be nice to them, right? I guess I have to love my enemies because Jesus told me that, right? But Jesus here is saying, I'm telling you to do this so that you may have joy. In other words, being a good person is the good life. One of the questions that uh, Dallas Willard would ask people, especially Christians that seem to be like very somber, no, they're just not very happy. It just doesn't seem like there's a lot of joy in their life. They're following rules and laws, and they're like, oh, you know, I have to obey Jesus. I got to do these things because God told me to do it. And they're just so, they're just so dour all the time, right? 
Like there's just not a lot of joy there. And Dallas Willard would ask these people, he, he would say, do you think Jesus was happy? Like, like seriously, if you saw Jesus, do you think he walked around and Jesus is always frowning? You know, is, is your picture of Jesus one that is stern? One that, that just has no joy? I guess I have to go to the cross. Now, make no mistake, cross isn't fun, right? But there, there is, in Hebrews uh, chapter 12, it says, For the joy set before him, Jesus went to the cross. For the joy set before him. And here you see Jesus. These things I have spoken to you about keeping my commandments, about being in my love, about bearing fruit, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Um, there are many people, and we like to do this, we like to kind of snip out um, parts of the passage. And a lot of people really like um, verse uh, uh, 9 and 10. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. I've heard whole sermons about people who are like, you know what? This is how you live a fruitful life. Just let Jesus love you. Mm, that's so good, right? Just let Jesus love you unconditionally. Oh, yeah, that feels so good. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for loving me. Even though I do bad things, you love me. Mm, it's good. It's the, the gospel, right? That's the gospel. That's the good news. That's definitely true. But he also says, right, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. What does abide mean? To stay, to remain, to be planted there. Like, like the branch is attached to the vine. To stay in the love of God. You are living there. That's what your life is about. Your life is about love. Do you remember we talked uh, uh, before about the idea that um, people who see love in other people, they look at other people, they're like, you know what? You're so loving. Oh my gosh, you're such a kind person. You know, Richard Rohr would say that usually the people who say that are actually really loving and kind themselves. Why? Because they're abiding in love. That's what their love is about. So because they are loving people, they see love in other people. Because they have been loved well, they love other people well. Right? And so this is what Jesus is saying. Yes, it is about being loved by Jesus. And and this is the part that we love as Christians. God loves you. That is the good life to be in the love of God. But also, equally a part of that, is that you are loving like Jesus. Uh, if you don't believe me, <laughs> the very next verse, verse 12. This is my commandment. Remember, he said, if you, wanna, if you want to remain in me, if you want to abide in me, you must obey my commandment. And this is what it is. That you love one another as I have loved you. This is the good life. What is the good life? To love Like Jesus. Do you think Jesus was loved? Absolutely. It's the first thing we heard. When Jesus bursts on the scene, before he commits a single, uh, before he commits, it sounds like a crime, (laughs) before he uh, performs a single miracle, before he preaches a single message, right? The first thing we hear about Jesus is, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. It begins with God's love. 
And then God goes out and loves with that, uh, Jesus goes out and loves with that love that he received from the Father. Jesus is connected to the love of God and he spreads that love to us. And then we get connected to the love of God and we must spread that to other people. This is the good life. Why do I have WWJD bracelets here? <laughs> this was a, a, a fad and, and you still see these sometimes, right? WWJD stands for, what would Jesus do, right? And it's a good thought. It's the idea that you're supposed to look at this bracelet and if you're being mean to people, you know, or you're tempted to steal or cheat or whatever, you look at your bracelet and you're like, would Jesus steal and cheat? Would Jesus be mean to people? And then you correct your behavior and you're like, no, Jesus wouldn't. So I won't either. I'm going to be nice to these people, right? And this is the way most of us think about this life. It is about behavior modification. It is about following rules, and it is about taming your willpower. I really want to cheat and steal, but I'm not going to because I looked at my bracelet. (laughs) And, And my bracelet tells me that I should do differently. But brothers and sisters, what is this whole idea about good fruit? How do you get good fruit? Do you have a good tree? The tree itself will be changed. How do you actually... Live the good life. You live the good life by being like Jesus. You live the good life because in your character, your actual character has changed. So then out of your life will come good fruit. What is good fruit? Um, can we go to the next slide? This is Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23, right? The fruits of the Spirit. What is the fruit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Why do I have a picture of, uh, what is this, guys? Depending on, <laughs> we call this Asian pear, but Koreans like to say Korean pear. Like, like as if they're different. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They're the same thing. I don't know. Koreans are always claiming things. They're like, no, Korean pears are better. They're actually the same thing. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I think, in my opinion, for my money, the Asian pear is the perfect fruit. Uh, it, it's just so good. I mean, it's like crispy, you know, yet juicy. You know, it's like the perfect level of sweetness. It's not sour. Oh, my gosh. The Asian pear is the perfect fruit in my mind. Right, So I have a picture of this fruit because a lot of people, the way we picture the fruit of the Spirit, I remember um, uh, my church had this, this t-shirt um, where someone drew the fruits of the Spirit and they had like grapes and the grapes were joy. And they actually had an Asian pear on there. So it was a, like, like a pear that had like slants for eyes. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so racist. But, you know, and, and they're like, okay, that's love, right? Cause that's the best one, you know? And then this one is joy. Bananas are joy. I don't know. You know, and they had all these different fruits of the spirit. But in Greek, it's singular. There's only one fruit, right? Now, the Asian pear, I think, is the best fruit in my mind. But some of you disagree with me. You're like, no, no, papayas. Mm, No, mangoes. Mangoes are the best, right? We can agree to disagree. You're wrong, but, you know, we can agree to disagree. But the actual fruit of the Spirit is something that you cannot describe in English. Remember how we talked about how our words fail, right? 
How, how you can have that word makarios for happiness, and it means all these different things. Happiness and joy and contentment. Right? The same kind of thing happens when it's talking about the fruit of the Spirit. How do you describe what is going to come out of a good life? How do you describe that? There's no adequate English word. So Paul is grasping here. He's like, you know what? There's going to be fruit. What does the fruit look like? Well, you know, it's love. Mm, but it's also joy. But you know what? There's peace there, too. There's patience. There's kindness. There's goodness. There's faithfulness. There's gentleness. Self-control. Against so such things, there is no law. Now, brothers and sisters, what is the law about? The law is about willpower. The law is about, through your efforts, trying to bring out good things. Right? Like, I'm going to decide to be a loving person today. I'm going to try to be more patient. But the thing with fruit is that fruit just automatically happens. Tree doesn't have to think about bearing fruit. It's just going to happen. A good fruit just, a good tree just, oh, there you go. There's a pear. Awesome, right? The fruit's not like, oh, or the tree's not like, I need to produce fruits. I'm going to produce this fruit. And no tree will produce different kinds of fruit. There's only one fruit that will come from one kind of tree. We do not pick and choose the fruit of the Spirit. We don't decide, you know what, I'm going to be really loving, but I'm not going to be patient. I mean, number one, how many impatient people have you met that are really loving, right? How many uh, people that you've met who are really loving but have no joy, right? All of this, it's a package deal. And this makes perfect sense if you understand that the good life is Christ-likeness. It is the character of Christ. It is Christ living in you. Right? That is what we are seeking. This is what we are pursuing. We are pursuing Christ-likeness. Don't get me wrong. It is about being loved by Jesus. You need that. It's so important. You know, this should bring you joy. This should inspire you. But brothers and sisters, as it says in Scripture, there is a sense in which we need to live our lives intentionally with our eyes wide open. Am I actually living a good life? Am I actually a good person? The way that's going to happen is through the love of Jesus that will transform you into Christ-likeness. But as it says in Scripture, The path of the person who becomes like Christ is the disciple. We'll talk more about this next week. We have to talk about things like obedience. I'm sorry. I know it's not a popular word. (laughs) You know, we like talking about the love. We like talking about, you know, oh, man, it's so good, God, that you love me. We do have to talk about obedience. That stuff is important. Yeah? But in the end, what this life is about, it is a life of joy. It is the life that we all want. It is a life where you will have peace and love, right? And so, brothers and sisters, uh, can I ask the priest team to come up? I want to ask us again, what is the good life that you are pursuing? What is a priority for you? And do you actually want to become like Jesus. 
Are we convinced that what Jesus has for you is not just a good life, it is the good life. It is the best possible life. To learn to love like Jesus, to be loved like Jesus. Let's just take a moment to pray, brothers and sisters. And just as we do this, to just ask yourself honestly, um, I, you know, sometimes there's messages that there's like a real clear, practical point. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, I just want today for you to think over that question again. What is the good life to me? Am I living that? There is an invitation. It is the invitation to the kingdom. You can have this life. It is available to you. I want to give you the good life. A life of love. A life of joy. A life of peace. Do you want that? Do you want to be loved and to love? Do you want to have joy and give joy? Do you want to have patience and be patient with others? This is the life that Jesus is offering us. God, we thank you so much for the invitation to the kingdom. God, there are many times where we confess that we're just kind of drifting through life and we're just kind of following the the status quo and what everyone else did does, God. And maybe sometimes we are hearing these messages that, you know, being a good person is a burden, that actually having to love and put up with uh, sometimes the unpleasant people in life that, oh man, that's something that we can't be bothered with. But Lord, may you just begin to change our hearts and our perspective to really see that you are offering us the best possible life. May we embrace that, God. As we receive the love that comes from you, teach us to be loving people, God. We thank you, Lord, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.